0: Hey, if you're a fan of films, you got to watch this episode with Cammie Sargent. She has so many great things going on. She talks about Coda, the progress that she's making at Paramount, and what's happening inside of Netflix. So enjoy this great episode with our special guest, Cammie Sargent. Cammie, I'm so excited you're here. Coda was like my favorite movie. I'm so glad you're here to talk about that.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad because I loved it, too, and it was such a special movie. Um, to work on and experience and see the journey. It was pretty incredible. So I'm glad that you loved it.
0: Wait, so explain to me, just kind of dumb down to me. When do you get to know that Apple is doing Coda? Is that like, did they already have it in the in purchase and then they were looking for you? And then they said, hey, will you take this project or were you already working at Apple? And it came in the door and you said, I want that project.
1: They had picked it up at Sundance. So I was already there working on some other stuff. Um, but yeah, once it came in the door, it was a little bit of both. It was this movie looks great. I'm super excited about it. Everyone's talking about it. I want to work on it. And I think just given the wheelhouse of projects that I've done in the past, it just felt like the right fit. Um, and so I was just lucky enough to to get to work on it. Um, so it was
0: cool! It's so good. And I guess maybe I I came into it late. Right? It was already nominated before I even probably heard about it. Uh, oh, yeah. I Hello, have I haven't seen it yet. It. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm later than you, Tim.
0: <laughs> Heath, you should stop I admitting I that. You, it's just I, I really sounds so bad. Start. You, you simply I have to know. turn on a television and press the play button, and it's right there. It's so, hard. I, I, have a
1: really, I have a really hard time sort of getting on the bandwagon late. Like, when I miss something and everyone's already talking about it, at that point, I feel like it can only lead to disappointment. So... I'm with you, Keith. I have a hard time. Thank
0: running. you, Cami. <laughs> Hallelujah, Kimmy, Don't it's encourage a him. Guest spot for the
2: for her life because of that. So yeah. there you go. No yeah. more shaming of Keith on no. this podcast for no. not seeing a movie. <laughs> no, you are him.
0: encouraging bad behavior, Cammy. This is just <laughs> not good. This is not good. Enough. No, it I, it was. I, how would I explain what the experience is for people who haven't seen it? So, Keith, I guess I'm talking to you, the only person I know that hasn't seen it yet. But the. <laughs> But one is I kind of knew what the story was about, but not really. I just watched the trailer ahead of time. Right. And I got the, the gist of what was happening. Um, but the, the, the actors and actresses in there were just absolutely so believable. It was yes. so great to be part of their world. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those movies where, sure, I watched the storyline. It's a sweet storyline. Makes you laugh, makes you cry. There's great moments. You're frustrated moments. But I feel like I also learned something like I got depths into someone else's world, which I one, you know, I don't have that life need or lifestyle. So it's not anything that I would have had any exposure to without it. But to to kind of live someone's life through their own eyes, just that's what makes great movies. Great. If you ask me is I get a walk away uh, richer person because I watched the film.
1: Yeah. And I I think that's honestly something that the audience has to discover it's not something that you can necessarily do in marketing, because I feel like when you push that kind of message, it could easily turn into a PSA or feel medicinal. Um, so the trick was to really make the movie feel as emotional and entertaining as we possibly could. But also it was a huge initiative and really important to make the marketing materials as accessible as the film is just in terms of marketing to a deaf audience and making sure that this movie that's about them is inclusive to them too. And from a marketing point of view, that can be really challenging. Like everything was subtitled with not only the ASL, but the actual audible dialogue. Um, So it was hard for sure to sort of walk that line between you know, this is an important movie that everyone should see because it is about a community of people that aren't represented on screen pretty much ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's also so entertaining and so much beyond that. You know, like the family dynamics, the coming-of-age story. Like, you just... You want to live in their world for an hour and a half because it's, it's just really beautiful and fun. So
0: yeah. I never really... Uh, <clears throat> I never had to have the same experience you and Keith had when it came to marketing and some of the challenges of marketing from the, the job I always had was, you know, the assignment and the production side of it. So getting the trailer cut down, making it look great or whatever. Um, But I, it's so interesting to me, some of the issues and parameters that you are up against when trying to roll out a film, because of course, in marketing, you still need to make it look entertaining, right? If it looks too slow or too off center, I would say that's not for me. <clears throat> Let someone else watch that movie. Yeah. But the the trailer it there was the trailer was amazing. It just it was very clear and I was like, "Oh yeah, I it, it felt like a feel, feel good story, not anything that would uh, separate me from the yeah. general audience." Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it, you know, mm. we we went back and forth a lot between going the more emotional route versus going the more lighthearted almost comedic route. Cause there's so much great comedy in the movie. Like <clears throat> yeah. only amazing Troy who plays the dad is hilarious. Him and Marley together are hilarious. They're the super stereotypical, like embarrassing parents, but I think <clears throat> the deafness of it all kind of takes it to another level. Um, but we had a trailer, we had a version that opened with, and Keith won't get this because he hasn't seen the movie, but there's, there's, there's a moment in the doctor's office and the daughter Ruby has to take her parents to the doctor because she's their interpreter and they're worried that they've got like an STD situation and she's there like trying to interpret with the doctor it's the most embarrassing humiliating moment you could probably go through as a teenager with your parents and it's you know the reverse of what I think most of us typically go go through when you're the teenager and your parents are lecturing you about sex and so it's the flip side of that and it was such a great open to a trailer because it's such a funny moment and it immediately puts you in this place of oh it's not going to be the kind of movie that you think it is but it's all ASL you know and it's it's 30 seconds of a very quiet moment. So from a marketing perspective, that's, you know, we know the first six seconds of a trailer are really what hook people in. Um, and so it just sadly wasn't that version of it. Wasn't going to work. Um, there was a lot of that, you know, there was a (laughs) lot of just trying to balance, um, what's going to work well for the movie and what's going to work well from marketing perspective. Um, And there was a lot of those challenges along the way, but I think where we ended up was was really beautiful um, and very authentic and real to what the movie is, which is always the most fun when you're marketing.
0: Well, congratulations! Are you? Is it like the Super Bowl where you get a tiny little Oscar uh, for every Oscar <laughs> that they win? Do you, get Did like- you go get a picture with the Oscar? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes, for sure. I mean, I, the mini Oscar would be really nice, but no. Yeah,
0: like a little keychain yeah. of the Oscar or something. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I know. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, no, just fond memories. That's all.
0: Nice. So great. Well, congratulations to you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Was that,
2: was that your last movie there? Or no, you did the. You I did know, the. You worked on the Coen brothers, Denzel Washington. Yeah, too, So right?
1: Macbeth was from a release order, Macbeth was technically the last one because that Coda was launched on the service in August and then Macbeth was in January and we were running awards campaigns for both. And then Coda ended up sort of rising to the surface. So
2: yeah, I ended up sort of ending on Coda. Wow. What a way to go out. (laughs) Yeah, Talk about going on a high note. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Finish when you're on top, girl. That's the way you you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop, moving on.
2: Yeah.
1: All right, see you <laughs> Yeah. We, um, I mean, it's sad not to be there for the aftermath of you know, the celebration of it all and everyone's so excited, but um, but everyone really believed in the movie going into the award. So, and everyone was, you know, very celebratory. So that was nice.
2: I have a question for you, and this is kind of probably gonna dovetail in a lot of what we'll talk about because you're one of the few people that has experience on both the streaming and theatrical side. Yeah. Was it any different? Because, you know, I, I can imagine, like, I, you know, just from talking to various people, I have a sense of what it's like in the streaming world, but I've never actually been on a campaign in the streaming world. Right. And obviously I have experience in theatrical. Is something like that where you know the movie is, like, take Fault in Our Stars, which you obviously knew when that first trailer ran that you had something special.
1: Right.
2: And you have that sort of experience from a theatrical perspective. Is it any different when it's a streamer and you have a special film? Because the... You know, with cult fault, it was obviously a different era, and you were doing like fan screenings and all this other kind of stuff that you don't necessarily do with a streamer. Right?
1: right.
2: Was it? Was it? Was it a drastic difference, or was it just? Did it just feel? I wouldn't. Like kind I, of the same experience.
1: I would say the difference is the timing of it. Like for streaming, and this is true of film and series. I would say it's easier to capitalize, probably from a series perspective, but in rather than looking at a trailer launch as a measurement, it's, it's really more about when the film launches on a streamer. And then if people start talking about the film, then you sort of what they would call chase heat and decide if you're going to put more money into it or not. Um, So I would say that's probably like a big inherent difference and you can do a lot on streaming. You can do a lot of the marketing sort of post launch because I think the Behavioral mindset is you're not necessarily missing out on a film if it comes out opening weekend and you haven't gotten around to watching it. You know, the, the legs on streaming, um, I think, last a lot longer than theatrical, not only because the movie will go away. It'll be out of theaters in a number of yeah. weeks, months. Right. Um, but sometimes when you miss the boat, you sort of feel like, all right, well, I'll just wait for it to come out. Well, what a flip
0: of the script, huh? like the whole long tail process, because it is reality watching the film when it was like live, like before the Oscar, when I saw it, Mm -hmm. or if Keith were to watch it two months from now and finally catch up, he'd have the (laughs) exact same experience Right. where traditionally, you know, olden days, even now, if you wanted to watch it in true form, you had to actually get where uh, through through a distributor and sit down and watch it in a theater. And then it was, you know, released on video or something like that was really a way of catching up, but not the same experience. Right. Um, and that whole thought of like marketing being done after the fact, after release really to just get that streaming kind of, uh, attention, uh, d- d- totally. What a different flip of the script. Pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. and the investment I, uh,
0: to release is so much lower, I'm going to guess. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, which was always my, um, struggle with streaming being at netflix and at apple i mean apple definitely spends um media which netflix really doesn't or definitely wasn't when i was there um so as a marketer to be creating these campaigns that they're not putting money behind and that nobody's seeing you yeah the the value of marketing just really isn't there also because people are really making their choice based on the platform they're on the platform they're scrolling Yeah, they want to see a great, like the trailer has to be great because that's what's ultimately probably going to make them click play or not or keep scrolling. Mm -hmm. But that's really the only piece of advertising, I would say, that's crucial Um, because I think people are really deciding either by scrolling or word of mouth. Like in my circles, those are those are how people are making decisions. Well,
0: Netflix yeah. is going to want you back now. This last week, <laughs> they have a lot to learn, Oops! if you ask me. And maybe it's because they don't necessarily have great content to begin with. They're not going to invest a lot on the outside, yeah. outside the platform. Um, yeah. But holy cow, they're, they definitely are going to have to start changing their tune and recognize they don't have the bubble they used to have because yeah. the hits are taking. Some of the excuses I heard of like, you know, let's blame it on the war in Ukraine. Everything's more on the Ukraine's fault right now, right? So some of those hits that way. But in reality, I think it's just catching up to them. The other competitors are (laughs) stepping up and clearly content and quality of content starting to matter more than just simply. It's the only service we had a year or two years ago. And so we we chose it because it's the only thing that was there.
1: A thousand percent. I think you're absolutely right. I think they're in a place now where they really need to be better about curating and investing more in quality and less in quantity. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, the message has always been, they have something for everyone, um, which I think is great. I think they just also need to prioritize. And you see that with the Oscars year over year too. Like they're always the most nominated, but they have yet to secure a win. So at what point is it, you know, there's too much choice. There's too many options. We really just need to focus on what our priorities are or what we're going to get people in the door and put money behind those. Um, And I feel like they know that now and that's where the shift is going. Um, But it's hard. It's hard when you've just been in a volume game for so long and now realize like, oh yeah, there's a lot of other stuff out there that people can choose. So we have to step it up now.
0: Well, it's, it's, you know, <clears throat> Netflix, I've always asked the question, I wonder how they'll ever catch up. If they're going to have to keep up the volume, there's this weird like inverted curve that they'll spend two years making content and most of us consume it in two days. Like there's no way there's enough lifetimes available to keep up with that kind of consumption model that they had. Yeah. But if I were to flip it back to Apple, I don't understand their model either because it's every once in a while they drop a film and right. they're like, okay, well, is it do they just not care about their platform and care to release things? And so they are just very picky, but when they have something, it's great instead of having like, it's the total opposite. It's not a consumer model at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Apple from day one has taken a stand in terms of an investment in quality. And that's always been their sort of mission statement is, you know, we're in the quality business, not in the quantity business. And so with that, you know, I think they still need to figure out what their film cadence is and how big their slate is going to be year over year. And are they aiming for a certain number of things every year? And I think that part is still probably in flux Mm -hmm. Um, because yeah, if you commit to that, then you find yourself needing to plug holes and that's where, you know, it's like, Oh, we'll pick up this acquisition or like this one's sort of mediocre and we could put this one here Um, So it'll be interesting to see what the next couple of years look like for Apple. Um, But they've got some great stuff coming up. So, so far, I really feel like they're hitting their goal in terms of quality.
0: Yeah. So great. And what a great experience you're having through this career shift. I'm going to say there's probably a moment when you were asking a question or, re- or saying to yourself, holy crap, what do I do? This whole thing is changing. <laughs> Am I relevant? There, you know, every all the rules are different. <laughs> and then just be able to step into it. What is the universal thing that's true from Fox all the way through Netflix to Apple and Paramount? Where like where what's the universal thing that's always been there for you that people are coming back to you over and over again to have you run their run their project? That's obviously not distribution and quality and I mean, those items that we want to be true, everywhere you worked has a little bit different strategy and and platform.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess if we get super specific and granular about it, I think to this day, the one thing that has not changed is that a trailer is the most important piece of advertising for everyone, for all audiences. That's the thing that continuously people say is what makes them decide whether or not they're interested in a movie or not. And I Mm. think... I think, you know, awareness is important. Spending money is important so that people are aware of what's coming and and eventizing. I think that's still really important. Um, But whether or not you have a full marketing campaign or not, I think if you boil it down, a trailer is just the most important piece. Um, And I don't know at what point that changes. You know, I think there's been a lot of experimentation, Um, you know, and there's a lot of, a lot still in flux in terms of what that timeline is, how far in advance you're releasing a trailer. I think for streaming, it's a little bit different than it is for theatrical, um, you know, streaming, they've really found through the data that releasing a trailer closer to launch actually works a lot better. Whereas in theatrical, everything really has to feel like an event. I think the days are gone where you release a trailer a year ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears> unless you're
0: problem. Maverick, then you released it yeah, three I was years, say ahead, say of two years, years ahead of time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have learned a lot from that. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think I think when it really comes down to it that's the one thing that has withstood all the transition and all the business changes when it comes to marketing is that that one piece of advertising really is the most important thing. And
2: Well, let me ask you this, Cami: Do you think that because of that, has it ratcheted the pressure on creatives like yourself to nail the trailer? Because I can only imagine, you know, when I was working in that area, it was sort of like, there was a lot of pressure on the trailer, but then right. if the trailer kind of wobbled a little bit with the audience, you still have the TV campaign to kind of make right. up some of that, that. Cred. Right. But that doesn't seem to be the case anymore because no one's really watching TV per se. So, really, the trailer is even more important now. Is it, do you feel like there's even more involvement from the myriads of people that you have to get approval before thing goes out the door um, I mean, than there was previously? Or is it just basically the same?
1: I think to your point with theatrical, you can still make up for it with the rest of a campaign, which is really important. And it doesn't yeah. even need to, tv you know like we're that's a shift that i've definitely seen since i left the studio site in 2018 you know the money is going much more towards digital than it is towards traditional linear television
2: right
1: everyone knows that people don't watch tv anymore um but i think i think There is a lot of pressure. I wouldn't necessarily say more, but I will, I think we're, we're trying to shift the way that we think about what that first piece is. You know, it's interesting. I felt this way at Netflix a little bit when you have, like you have. Traditionally you would have a teaser and a trailer, right. But you know, that first piece is going to be the most viewed piece. And that's going to be the, Mm. if, if anyone's going to watch one thing, it's going to be the first thing. So Unless it's a Marvel sort of IP that people are waiting for, you know, is a teaser a right approach, something that's super minimalist and cool and more of a tone piece. Not necessarily like the first thing that you go out with might have to be a full story trailer and give everyone a big sense of what the movie is to get them interested. Um, and maybe it's even the reverse. You know, you start with a full trailer and then you can lead. I mean, you can follow a couple months later with a shorter piece that's more teasery. And, you know, I, I think just approach the approach to it is probably what's shifting, um, more than I would say just the pressure behind it. Cause I think that's always been there. I don't think that that's necessarily changed. Um,
0: and is that garbage piece that everyone used to do after release where they interviewed people leaving the theater and getting, (laughs) is that done? Does no one do that anymore? Right. Cause it's just,
1: I mean, it's still come up through the past few years in different arenas. Um, I mean, honestly, we actually we did one for Coda. Um, our creative content team handled it and it was actually a really beautiful piece. And that was very specific because that was for a deaf audience, and that was the deaf audience reaction. Okay, so it's
0: not all garbage. If they right, did it for it's Coda, it's gotta be <laughs> Yeah. I think,
1: And even for horror movies, like, I think (laughs) that sort of, like, in the theater, uh, Night Vision-esque, seeing people react, like, and looking terrified, I think some of those still can work really well. Um, But, yeah, I think the traditional days of people coming out of a theater and, oh, it was so great, and I really loved it, and I laughed and I cried – and you quote I mean, quotes
0: boring. from random news yeah. articles, and it's yeah. the best movie ever. Best so movie ever. Yeah. The Pasco Times I, Daily, or whatever. Yeah. I yeah.
1: hope I hope that those are dead, um, because honestly, I cringe every time that those come up. So so know.
2: random, aren't they? As oh, if, yeah. wor- then they're, produce, they're the worst to produce, Tim. But they are worst to produce. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So, where are you now? Kid.
2: What's? Oh, good. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so I remember when I came out there oh God, four or five years ago now, um, you and I had lunch at Netflix and you, were, you said you were super happy when you first got there and then you started to realize that it wasn't like the sort of campaign development that you had been so used to at Fox.
1: Right.
2: And now that you're back at Theatrical and you're doing the whole campaign, do you feel like this is your bread and butter, the Theatrical, or do you think streaming is... Maybe in your rearview mirror, but you don't want to say that because
0: obviously you may have to go back to streaming at some She's, point. Before but. before you answer, Kimmy, let's just explain like where are you now, so that when yes, you so yeah, the yeah.
1: Yeah. So now I'm at Paramount doing creative advertising for their theatrical division. Which to answer your question, Keith, I think also what makes Paramount appealing to me is that they have Paramount Plus, and we do work on or my team specifically, will work on films that are going straight to Paramount+. Plus. So I, I do like the idea that there's both and that I can mm. keep sort of one foot in the streaming door um, because I do think it is such a huge part of the business and it is yeah. the future. But personally, for me as a marketer, I really just love the theatrical side of things. And I'm super excited and happy to be back because I just you know, the value, you just feel the value when you walk in the door. It's so marketing is just so important from a theatrical perspective. Um, And so feeling that, I mean, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's definitely walking back into this pressure cooker um, of opening weekends. That's the thing that we live and die for. Uh, But I have missed that a lot. And so, and then when it works, it's great, you know, it's amazing. And you really feel like, you did the job. Um, when it doesn't work, it feels pretty <laughs> awful.
0: So painful. <laughs> yeah. um, you you have joined a winning team. We were I had forgotten you last week or two weeks ago when we when Keith and I brought this up that you were joining us this soon. But we were talking about the slate that Paramount has released. Yeah, and they really are this kind of amazing. And it now seems very progressive studio, but what they are sticking to is a qual somewhat of a quality game, but recognizing there's opportunity in the theater and they didn't hold back. And sure. They're not like, it's not blockbuster numbers, but they are hitting number one over and over again with the right kind of content with the right audience. So you, you are kind of writing the golden parachute again into another (laughs) awesome return, because this is, I'm I'm imagining it's gonna be really fun to work there over the next year or so.
1: For sure. And, and they have had an amazing run and I think it's definitely credit to you know the distribution team and the marketing team um i think it also boils down to the fact that people are really ready to go back to the movies and thankfully it's not just for marvel and you know the big action stuff um
0: no it's for maverick we've been waiting for maverick (laughs) can you get in there get them to release that damn film so we can watch it it's
1: coming you guys (laughs) it's coming and it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing like it's that's all we hear that's
2: all I've been told is how amazing it is yeah I want to see it (laughs) yeah
1: and the marketing campaign is is pretty amazing too so the team like they've they've just been crushing it so it's super exciting um and you know I think there's always going to place for horror like scream just really worked in that sense to be honest with jackass like on paper to me that had paramount plus written all over it it's the fourth installment in this Ridiculous yes. franchise, yes, franchise yeah. um, but again, to the marketing team's credit, they went after a new audience on TikTok. Like they just really brought this fourth movie into a new audience and really targeted the younger demographic. And it's such a TikTok movie too. Like that was just such a great convergence of what mm-hmm. the property was and what the TikTok platform was. And our digital team just did such an amazing job, and they were able to to bring in this whole new swath of people. Um, and then Lost City, like, I-, I was really, really nervous about Lost City because we had had such a run of these kinds of mixed genre comedies at Fox that just didn't work. And yeah. it felt like theatrically comedy was kind of a dead genre. And so walking into this movie, I, I had a lot of concerns about, you know, this
0: <clears throat> movie- You should have called me cuz my <laughs> wife and I watched that trailer in the theater and yeah. we were la- just laughing crazy just in yeah. the and we turned ourselves like we got to watch that movie and the day it came out we grabbed our kids and we went there and we watched it and it is Brad Pitt's role is so funny it I mean was, the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous and yeah. perfect I mean, it was so enjoyable to watch and it wasn't big gigantic crazy insane things it was just situational right a uh, comedy that pulled these ridiculous characters together. Um, I don't know. It was so fun. So fun. What a great great moment. I
1: I do feel like the pandemic really helped that kind of movie because nobody had seen that in a theater in so long, especially when you're coming off Spider-Man and Batman and all of these just sort of big budget films. Um, There was an audience of people that were waiting for this kind of movie. That being said, if, if it was comedies coming out at a regular cadence, like it had in the past, I don't know that this movie would have rose mm. to the top necessarily. I mean, it's Sandy Bullock doing Sandy Bullock and you love that. And and she has such a wide following and, and the movie is super fun and really charming. Super fun. Um, that
0: Brad Pitt moment, even in the trailer, the Brad Pitt moment is just like, <laughs> that it was just wins you over. Holy cow. <laughs> so know. great.
1: He's so great. Um, But yeah, I, I definitely had, A lot of concerns about which way it could go and thankfully people were ready for it and excited about it and you know it'll be interesting to see if those movies will continue to work in the future if they will continue to be made for theatrical
0: um I hope so I have this sense that we're going to return to the Roncom I just like I think what the feeling seems to be is we we were in a cadence where we're going to the movies to have a experience we couldn't have at home. <clears throat> and now that experience is being together with other people. Right. So that flip of like, oh, the experience we don't have at home is the other people-ness. We need to have films that aren't gonna, you know, have to slap us in the face and separate us. We want to laugh together. We want to have some enjoyable moments together instead of it just being like, you know, the sheet is the seat is shaking and the water is spinning out of the floor. And I don't know all that crazy that they were going for. Like, no, this is it's perfectly great. Just have a theatrical experience where we laugh and that right. rom-com thing where you can grab a date and grab some friends. And it's kind of a safer environment to just enjoy what the situation um, it feels like we're going to walk into a like 90s pattern a little bit that way. We just need yeah. the nor Ephron of the 2020s to, <laughs> right. to kind of get us <laughs> back into sure. it.
1: Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see.
0: And if Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan wanted to make a film right now, most likely. Yeah, I don't know if that yeah. would work. They need to find the new <laughs> Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. That's what needs to happen. All right. all right, all right. <laughs> We <laughs> might find them in Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. That's right, Yeah, there those. you go. Right, you can start right. them and uh, they could be the new ones. There you go. That's the way yeah. it That's So fun. Yeah. What a great, what a great ride you're having. Just kind of walk into it. What's the thing you see next is the hurdle that the industry has to overcome. Mm -hmm. Is it the platform wars? Is it the attention deficit disorder? Is it like, (laughs) what's the, what's the item that when you're sitting in marketing meetings, you think, Oh crap, this is going to be a very big thing we have to figure out.
1: You know, it's interesting. And I, I was saying this to somebody the other day, you know, Having been on both sides, when I was at the streamers, you're not looking at theatrical as competition, or really even paying attention to what they're doing. It it feels like a completely different piece of business. And then now walking back into the studio side, it's exactly the same, where we're not talking about streamers and what they're doing. You know, Hmm. with Lost City. I was really nervous because Bridgerton season two was launching mm. on Netflix that Friday, the same day. And we had like, from a marketing perspective, sort of cultivated a couple things that were maybe poking fun at Bridgerton um, just to have in the arsenal. We, we didn't end up going out with any of it, but I was wondering like, is this, you know, it's the same audience and it's older women who we know aren't necessarily the most comfortable going to a movie theater. And you have Bridgerton season two on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Is that what women are going to want to do? They'd rather just sit at home and binge this new season of Bridgerton. And, and thankfully, you know, a lot of them still went out to the theater, um, and, but it was never really a point of discussion. Like it was never really, it was something in the back of my mind for sure. Um, but from an overall business perspective, you know, you're not really paying attention to the other. That being said, I do think there will come a point with all the streamers, it'll be like cable. It's like you have all these channels and all these different subscriptions and you want to condense and what does that look like? Or you want everything in one place or you only want to pay sort of this lump sum and get all these channels. I feel like that's kind of going to be the next wave for streaming. Um, Yeah, we're kind
0: of getting that answer. People are dumping Netflix. (laughs) 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 There you go. Get rid of something. Well, that's garbage, get rid of that one.
1: It's true. Yeah. And I think they're probably not only looking at the quality, but, you know, they've been talking about it for a while, cracking down on account sharing and they might have to explore ads to like be able to keep up. They're going to, I think, have to look at some other bigger business changes um, to be able to keep up. But, and then from a theatrical perspective, I think it's, it's going to be like we talked about, it's going to, be this sort of evolution and paying attention to what is still going to work theatrically and what is not going to work theatrically anymore. Um, Or maybe there's going to be a resurgence of rom-coms. Like you say, Tim, we'll see.
0: Yeah. Um, This is one of those moments as you're talking that I wonder, Oh my gosh, have I been, are you right? And and the way I've been thinking about how I choose is actually different than the, the reality of how I choose to do one thing or another and and my thinking is right. I think in theory, sometimes that platform and theatrical compete with one another, but now as you're talking, I'm thinking, I don't, they don't. don't. Like Mm. when I choose a theatrical thing, I don't at all think, well, I could be at home watching stranger things season four. I think I want to go see that. And that's where it's playing. And, and, I'll just process this one step further. I wonder if that's why I enjoy Amazon as the platform, because I also feel like when I'm looking for something specific, I go straight to Amazon and it's there opposed to a Netflix where I'm just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. I don't even know what's on here. No one's even talking about it. I I have no prep for it. I'm not looking for it at all. I have to just stumble upon it. And I I think you guys might be not be onto something greater than what seems to be the theory and actually recognizing behavior is no, it, they're not related. I, people go to a theater for one reason and watch what's on television for a totally different reason.
1: Yeah, I think that's 100% right. And uh, Netflix too, You know, I forget the exact term we called it. It was like mood watching or something like that where... You could go see a theatrical film. At, let's say it's a rom com. You go to see a rom com in a theater, and then you want to come home, and you're in that mood, so you're going to put on to all the boys I've loved before. You know, oh, that's
2: cool. Right. In yeah. that
1: frame of mind, on
2: that so, mindset, yeah,
1: yeah, they could actually work together, which, like, again, could be the Bridgerton Lost City of it all. It's like they went to the theater to see Lost City on Friday, and then they binged Bridgerton on Saturday, and so it all there's room for all of it. Um, I think there's room for streaming and theatrical, but yeah, there's a lot, obviously a lot happening in streaming and so much choice and so much competition and what, what's rising to the top and what's causing things to rise to the top. Is it marketing? Is it word of mouth? Is it just the quality of the content? Um,
0: Okay. So before we have to wrap up, I have a really serious question to ask you. Can I be your intern? I so <laughs> want to live your career. It's so, I'm so jealous of all the places you are and things that you're working on. It really is an amazing track record you have and uh, kudos to you for what you're doing.
1: I mean, Tim, you're catching me on a high note for sure, but let's talk in six months and see what kind of hole. Oh, cool. I'm yeah. In. Actually, been that's her neighbor,
2: having been her <laughs> office neighbor for many years, there are some dark days. Trust me. Tim. Uh, <laughs> There are I'll tell you what,
0: when you're having those dark days, do call me. I will be your cheerleader, girl. You are amazing <laughs> there and you're doing you go, great see? stuff. This is really, really <laughs> awesome. I'll, I'll be there for you. No doubt about it.
1: Thank you. <sighs> Thank you. It's been a blessed journey, although very, you know, the pandemic definitely threw me for a loop, like it did for a lot of people. Um but I'm very excited about where I am now, and about Paramount and and the slate, and just being back theatrical and and making movies work. Um, it's definitely an exciting time. So,
0: and I'll say this: if you're an investor at all and you want to know what's going to kill it, just watch Cammy's Netflix or LinkedIn, and when she goes somewhere, that's where it's going to kill it next. So just kind of know what's happening. <laughs> you're too wow. You definitely for you. are cheerleader too. I'm will way too kind. <laughs> No, dude, uh, look at this track record. She's totally killing uh, it. Yeah. Come on. It. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate you and all your insights. I, I, I'm I, going to tell you, I had just an aha moment when you were talking there about the marketing thing. I'm like, holy cow, I think it's one of those crazy moments where We believe as things are done the way we consume it, but we actually make decisions differently than than the feeling of it, right? And I think we often consume for the feeling, not for some practical items. So there's some great things to think about and what you guys are seeing and doing. So I appreciate
1: you. Of course. Thanks for having me, you guys. I love talking to you.
0: Of course. We'll be back soon, for sure. (laughs)